five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, I don't know about you, but there's a ton going on this week. First of all, with the website, of course, uh, Andrew Bone and Kyle Henderson are both joining us at Bama on three. Bama on three is now becoming Bama Insider, which was the previous name of the website for uh, another company. They've made the transition at uh, midnight on August 1st. It's now August 1st. They're officially on board and already crushing it, already providing content, written content, YouTube videos. Kyle and Andrew are, are fantastic. Uh, but we got that stuff going on. You got a lot of recruiting stuff going on as far as potential commitments over the next couple of days. You've got fall camp gearing up, which is set to get underway or get started on Thursday with the first practice. You know, you're going to have Nick Saban a couple of times. You're going to have offense coordinator, defense coordinator, Pete Golding, Bill O'Brien, tons of interviews tons of content first of all let me let me start by saying how are you uh, with all these transitions and stuff i mean is your head spinning or are you like a candy store that's exactly all of it it's like an avalanche of stuff and, and and i sound like a like a car salesman here but i'm just being honest when i say i found myself this morning i, I woke up and i and i had some things to say and i wanted to provide some content on the bama insider message board and but I found myself watching Kyle's video, reading Andrew Bones recruiting Intel report. And there's so much stuff to read on, quote, my own site. I can't get to my own work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, and then I'm like, oh, and now I'm going to do this, this show with Clint, which is fun. And I know everybody enjoys it and, and I'm looking forward to it. But it's like there's so much stuff to read and watch. It's, it's hard to find the time to write stuff that I want to say. And I will find that time. Of course, uh, I got uh, some content coming out today, the daily countdown. I'm down to three days. So, uh, heck yeah, I'm finishing up the after counting down from 99. I'm in three days there. And uh, man, it, it, it's very exciting, especially when your teammates are someone you respect so much. And uh, Andrew Bone is, is, is a, a, a legend. Uh, and, and Kyle's uh, uh, shows, his video work, uh, I know most everybody listening to this has already seen Kyle's work. If you haven't, uh, watch it as soon as, as you're done listening to, to Clint and I. You're going to enjoy it. He's, he's really good at what he does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's fantastic at what he does. Of course, everybody knows Andrew Bone is the, the best of the best when it comes to recruiting. And, and having Andrew leading the way and then you got joseph coming in back and clean up and just kind of doing the grind of traveling and, and talking to recruits and doing a lot of the things that he was already doing extremely hard worker you know the recruiting front as far as these types of websites is so important it's so pivotal to the success of your website and your brand and we've got that covered in my opinion light years ahead of anybody else in the industry right now and the changes aren't done they're done for now you know, it's going to be a little bit of time, but at some point there's going to be some other major changes coming down the road. And so people, it's only going to get better folks. And, and what Jimmy and I have provided over the last year, now that's expanding, Joseph got added and you really started getting the recruiting side of things covered more consistently. I could only do so much as far as team coverage and recruiting. And then, you know, now you're adding 
Andrew Bone and Kyle Henderson as far as you know video coverage and team more team coverage from that side of it. Kyle's going to also, I think, provide a, a couple of written pieces here and there. Uh, it's just it's incredible the amount of content, and I know that Jimmy is very excited. I know I'm excited. I was supposed to go to bed. I, I'd been at the beach for the last, you know, I, I left technically on Tuesday after I wrapped up with my radio show and got a lot of my work done and then got back on or yesterday. I think I came rolling in around 4:55 when we had our first kind of quote unquote team meeting at five o'clock. So really cut it close there, but I was fully planning to kind of recover, get in bed by nine, nine 30. That way I could wake up at five, five 30. What happens? I ended up staying up past midnight <laughs> so I could watch Colin and Andrew hop on <laughs> And kind of do a state of the program and, and talk about the transition once it crossed over into August 1st. And I regret nothing. You know, I still woke up at six, woke up a little bit later than I was planning, but totally worth it. And, you know, I, I really would highly suggest that everybody else go check out that content as well. For us today, we're going to be talking more about the position previews, breaking down the off ball back. We're probably going to do a second podcast that will also be released today talking about the running backs and because there is so much information we're going to probably do two a day to get all the different positions offense and defense at least out prior to the start of fall camp on Thursday and this first episode of course is going to be the off-ball linebacker so Jimmy what are your thoughts on this group of guys you lose Christian Harris you lose Shane Lee to the transfer portal you lose Jackson Bratton to the transfer portal but you still got a lot of talent. You got some incoming guys. So what are your thoughts on this off-ball linebacker group? Well, it's uh, it only pales in comparison to the outside group. I mean, uh, the outside group is the best in college football. The inside group, to me, is uh, uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find better, I mean, I mean, in college football. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, somebody mentioned something about the defensive line yesterday, and we're going to talk about linebackers today and not the defensive line, but I read – some concern and complaints and I get it because, and I, and I think that emanates from the fact that Alabama has been better in the past. There have been better players and better defensive linemen at Alabama in the past, but that, that doesn't matter. The only thing that's relevant is how does Alabama's group stack up to the rest of 2022 college football? And that's all that matters. And the fact is, if you want to sell me, that Clemson's defensive line is better. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll agree. Maybe Ohio state's group is better and deeper. Okay. Okay. Maybe Jalen Carter at Georgia individually is better than any of our individuals. Okay, fine. But we're talking about such a small list. And, and, and to me, the same thing is happening at off ball linebacker. Uh, I think Alabama has been better in the past. There have been better duos in the past. There have been better individuals in the past, whether it's Ruben Foster, or Reggie Ragland, or, 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 or who else, or Rashad Evans, somebody that I could say is better than what Alabama's got now. But that is wholly irrelevant. What's only relevant is, is Alabama good at this position? And where does Alabama rank, uh, you know, in terms of, of its 2022 peers? And I think Henry Toho Toho is an all-SEC slam dunk if he's healthy and an all-american candidate and as far as the other spot uh i'm a jail and moody fan uh, i think it's going to be moody all year long on every down that's my best prediction but i'm also deontay lawson fan and if deontay steals snaps it becomes a platoon run pass situation or if deontay just flat out beats him out 
I won't be surprised because I think Lawson is awesome and, and, and I'm a huge Lawson fan. But again, I'm also a Moody fan and I think he's a fifth year senior and I think he's ready for this and I think he's a pro football player. There's a reason Alabama recruited him out of the portal. I mean, Alabama didn't want him in that portal. They went and got him out. Uh, but between those three, I think Alabama has three highly worthy starters, uh, an all-star in Toho Toho. And I even like, uh, hopefully you won't get to it, Clint, but the deep depth guys that are there in case, you know, in case of emergency break glass, uh, Kendrick Blackshire. And I think even Jihad Campbell could play this fall and be a good player. And I know Blackshire can. And then you, uh, you can, you can, you know, redshirt Sean Murphy, uh, you know, and I, I say that as if we're discarding him. Sean Murphy has a really bright future and I'm excited about his future. Uh, uh, Ian Jackson, you know, we need to see more from him to get really excited. Uh, I liked him when we signed him. I still think he could be a really good special teams player, even this year. Uh, but but he's a guy that uh, is probably not in the picture in terms of the first or second team. I agree with what you're saying as far as, you know, there's been more talented duos at off-ball linebacker, at inside linebacker for Alabama in years past. There's no doubt about it. I mean, do I look at Henry Toto and see a bona fide first-round draft pick? No, I don't. I think there's some potential there for him to maybe climb into that range. Needs to make some improvement in some areas. I mean, I think he's a great communicator. I think he's got good football IQ. He's a good athlete. He's not elite in any one area. You know, when you look at him, you know, he, he's up there in a lot of areas and and then, you know, he's kind of pretty well balanced for the most part in pretty much every area, except for, I would love to see him taking on blocks a little bit more consistently and with a little bit more authority, uh, you know, he gets caught up sometimes. And I think that when you see Alabama's defense get gashed, you know, by the run, a lot of people are going to say, you know, defensive line, you know, DJ Dill's a good run stopper. Justin DeBoyby is a good run stopper. Byron Young, Fedarian Mathis was a good run stopper. A lot of Alabama's issues, you know, especially against Florida, in my opinion, were linebacker related, you know, and I think some of that was Henry Toto was trying to get more confident. Um, he had been making that transition from, you know, Tennessee last year. He was still learning the defense, even though it was familiar based off of what he had played in as far as Jeremy Pruitt's system. But there were some differences. You're talking about new teammates. Man, it just it took some time, but I think that you know those types of performances where everybody looks and sees Alabama's run defense completely gashed, like in the swamp. To me, you know that was some deficiencies with the off-ball linebacker group, and they continue to get better. And I'll be curious to see how they end up continuing to improve. You know, Jalen Moody, I think getting him back was so important because Henry Tooto was your only experienced player at the position. You know, Shane Lee was gone, Christian Harris was gone. And so, you know, Kendrick Blackshire hadn't been in the program long, you know, one year. Uh, Sean Murphy was coming in as a freshman. Jihad Campbell was coming in as a freshman. Ian Jackson, only a second-year player, hadn't played. Deontay Lawson, very limited playing time, not a whole lot at all. So if you don't get Jalen Moody back, your only experienced player at that position is To'o To'o, and I think that can be fairly dangerous. So I think it was smart for them to target Moody out of the transfer portal. And I do think, you know, you're right. I think it's a very good chance that he ends up starting and starting for the entire year. And everybody knows my, my love for Deontay Lawson. I mean, when, when back when the season first ended, 
one of the first guys that I was talking about being a breakout candidate and stepping up and, and, you know, becoming that guy, it was, it was Lawson. And I've backed off that a little bit because I look at everything else that Alabama's defense has heading into this season. The guys who are going to be surrounding the inside linebackers, you know, you talk about the edge guys, you talk about the interior defensive line, you know, it might not be an ultra talented group, but it's a very steady group. It's a very experienced group playmakers in the back half of your defense, depth in the back half of your defense. You don't really need, you know, a Deontay Lawson necessarily running and hitting and, you know, doing all those things at a high level if he's going to be inconsistent. You know, if there's consistency in his game, yeah, you absolutely want to go and get that stuff. But when you're talking about, you know, are you sacrificing consistency, you might want to go with the more steady presence in Jalen Moody. So I, I think that that's kind of what Alabama's looking for. So you know, it's it's an interesting group, Jimmy. Yeah, and, and it's good. It's a good group. There's no question it's a good group. And again, to anybody out there that, uh, again, I, I mean, I bring up that defensive line again, because to me, it's, it's sort of similar to that group in the sense that there is an all-star. I mean, the defensive line has an all-star in, in Young and, and, and inside linebacker has one in Toho Toho. But uh, who's better? I mean, that's that's the thing about about the, the, the whining and the moaning. I'm, I'm, okay, who's better? I'm sure there are individuals that, that people can name that, that I would agree. Okay. Well, that, that guy is probably better than Henry or this guy might be better or this duo may be better, but the list is so short. The list is short. And uh, I, I think Alabama's good. I think Toho Toho, uh, like you said, great at the line calls. He's a leader. Uh, we would be raving about Henry as a leader. If it wasn't for Will and Jordan and Bryce on the other side of the ball. I mean, Henry, Henry could easily be the captain of this team. Uh, there's just so many leaders, and uh, which is a great thing. Uh, Henry's good. I, I question in terms of the next level. Um, you know, th- that position's gotten a little smaller even in the NFL because everyone's looking for an athlete there as opposed to a run-stuffing thumper that used to kind of dominate this position. Now it's high-end athletes. Uh, I-, I think Henry is a good athlete, but but he's not – he's not large uh heck I mean he's he's the only linebacker I, I met Henry uh, in person back this summer and and uh I'm, I'm I'm not a big guy at all and uh Henry's one of the first linebackers I stood next to and didn't like feel like Henry was huge <laughs> you know he's not the biggest guy in the world uh but a great athlete Jalen Moody is more of a traditional inside thumper type but the question with him and the question that everybody has is Okay, well, we know Moody can, uh, can is good inside the tackle box, stopping the run, but can he play in space? Because now that's that's a requirement of the position. It's not just a plus. It's like you play in space or you sit. Well, I think Moody's going to surprise people there. He surprised me the last couple of springs. Uh, I, I, I expected that to be a weakness. I, I honestly, watching him play, I don't see it as a weakness. I think he's actually – I'm just going to – to be conservative, I'm going to say he's adequate in space uh, because I think that that kind of covers me. I, I feel like I won't be wrong if I say he's adequate, but but truth be told, I think he's better than adequate in space. I, I, I think he's shockingly good uh, out there uh, defending the pass, and I think that's why he's going to be an every-down player now. And uh, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Lawson. And, uh, boy, what a great, fun position, and, and what a fun position it'll be next year with – Jalen Moody and Henry Toto off to the NFL, and you'd think, well, now now it's Lawson's turn, and it probably will be 
but here comes a Juco and Justin Jefferson and Kendrick Blackshire will be one year ready. And Jahad Campbell might be better than all of them. I mean, maybe, I mean, he certainly has that, uh, that upside. So uh, I think this position is going to be good this year and, and crazy as it sounds, uh, maybe not better next year, because I love it when you have two experienced seniors like you have in Henry and Jalen Moody now nine years between them. Uh, what's exciting to me, Clint, is, yeah, you're going to lose some experience, which sucks, but the overall athleticism of the group is only going to get better uh, next year. Yeah. What's wild is that I completely agree with the Jalen Moody take as far as coverage. You know, some guys, they excel in coverage because they have premium athleticism and they can mask deficiencies as far as maybe football IQ and maybe not seeing it as quickly as other guys because of those athletic specialties, right? And then you've got other players who just seem to get it. And even though they might not be a premier athlete, the football IQ and just understanding where you need to be, I think is such a crucial component to covering players well. And I think that's where Jalen Moody really excels is just being in the right place at the right time because of what, you know, he's, it's reading the quarterback size. It's, it's understanding, you know, route concepts. You know, you got a drag route coming across your face. Do you pass him off? And then, uh, you know, what are you looking for as far as who's coming into your zone? Zone coverage, probably better than man coverage. In fact, I know that it's better than his man coverage, but that is that can be valuable. And what's wild is that the guy I'm about to kind of compare him to was an All-American in Alabama, but he might be one of the most limited athletes that Alabama has had at the off-ball linebacker position. That's Trey DePriest. You know, I think yep. Jalen Moody, in a lot of ways, he's similar. You know, I think he can be a thumper. I think he can be, you know, I always thought Trey DePriest had a high football IQ. Uh, I think that Jalen Moody is a little bit more situationally aware in coverage, which I think helps him a lot. That was one of the huge deficiencies to Trey DePriest's game. Great run stopper, much more probably advanced than even Moody in that area, at least from what I've seen. But, you know, there were some limitations. He didn't have the same kind of situational awareness and coverage. So he's not the same player by any means, but if, if Alabama fans are trying to think, okay, who can Jalen Moody be? It's like, I think Jalen Moody can be a really good college linebacker for Alabama and start. He might never be a, a hot round NFL draft pick and be this guy that everybody's drooling over, but a very steady player, a guy that you want to have on your defense and having that experience of Deontay Lawson isn't ready. It's better to give him a whole nother year of continuing to master the system get bigger, stronger, understand, you know, certain situations of what he needs to do, earning the coaching staff's trust, you know, taking that Reuben Foster approach. And then by the time he gets in the field, he looks like a superstar. And if Moody can do enough to provide a steady presence at that position next to Toto, then I think Alabama is in great shape. Uh, I don't think they have to have all-star players at off-ball linebacker, inside linebacker with the other guys they have on the defense. But here's another question. That I had, I don't think Jalen Moody is going to be a guy who's going to be great at pressuring the quarterback. You know, Deontay Lawson, I think, as good as he's done or did in high school, I think probably the one deficiency that I saw from him was that he needed to maybe add a little bit of, you know, pass rushing chops when you do get sent on a blitz. You know, Alabama likes to pressure quarterbacks or send pressure or apply pressure from at least one of its off ball linebackers in a lot of situations. You know, whether it be spies, whether, you know, where your quarterback starts to roll out, the linebacker who's spying him, 
takes off, is able to catch him in the open field as he's trying to, you know, get in space and make a play outside the pocket. Delayed blitzes, design blitzes. Alabama does a lot of that stuff. I mean, we saw just last year, Christian Harris had five and a half sacks. Henry Toto had four. Sometimes, you know, Christian Harris's sacks came with him playing edge, but some of them came with him playing off ball linebacker. The year before in 2020, Christian Harris had four and a half sacks. Dylan Moses had one and a half. The year before that, Shane Lee had four and a half sacks as an off ball linebacker. Had somehow convinced everybody, or at least a lot of fans, that maybe it would be a good idea to try him as an edge rusher. The lack of length was never going to allow that. But Alabama, especially in recent years, they've liked to get their off-ball linebackers involved and have them getting after the quarterback and applying pressure. I don't see – I mean, Henry Toto, he had four sacks last year. I could see him continuing to be that guy. I don't see it from Jalen Moody. I don't see it from Deontay Lawson. Is this an area, maybe, where a Jihad Campbell – who I think does have premier pass rushing ability, whether it be as an edge rusher or as an off-ball linebacker, is this where he gets himself into the mix a little bit? I love, I, I love the thought. I think it's, I think it's very possible. And plus, plus, I like when it's a true freshman, and you give him a small role. It, you know, it's not like he's got to learn the whole spot. It's not like he's got to be an encyclopedia Britannica about playing the will position on a down-by-down down basis, which, of course, they're working on with him in practice. But in terms of giving him a role in a game, if it's like, hey, you're our designated blitz guy in certain packages, in certain game situations, we're going to ask you to do this one thing because you're really good at it. That's a great way to get a freshman's feet wet, you know, to where they, they learn to, to play in this game environment and you're asking them to do something they're really good at. Uh, and you're not asking him to learn a whole lot. You know, he doesn't have to know the whole defense because he's really good at these three or four particular plays in the playbook. Uh, I love it, and, and I hope that works out. I'll also throw in, though, I've, I'll tell you who's a good blitzer. Uh, it's funny that we're talking about this because I saw this play just yesterday in my rewatch of the season, and it's one of my favorite defensive plays of the season, and, and I just noticed it yesterday or really got into it. I rewound it and watched it three times. Uh, fourth and two SEC championship game, Georgia driving, Alabama up two scores. But if Georgia scores here, now the game's tight going into the fourth quarter. So it is a big play. It's in the red zone. And it's fourth and two. And they haven't been able to run the ball. So we know they're going to throw it because they haven't really been able to run it. And not only that, Clint, it's a hurry-up kind of situation. Georgia didn't call take a timeout and talk about it, about whether they, they, it was third and two and then they threw an incompletion, now it's fourth and two, and they're lining up and they're going to run a play. Golding brilliantly calls uh, not a full house blitz, but a big blitz. Alabama brings a lot. I, 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 I love, Alabama brought at least six on the blitz, but the guy that came free and the guy that applied the pressure that blew up the play was Jordan Battle. And I think if it's not Campbell, I like Jordan Battle as a blitzer this season in these sort of A-gap, up-the-middle safety blitzes. And Battle got to the quarterback in a hurry. But what was so beautiful about the play that Pete dialed up here is Stetson Bennett is, is good against the blitz. He's a smart guy out there. And he sees it coming. He knows he's got to get rid of it. But Jordan was in his face so fast, he didn't get a good look. 
but he threw it to where he thought his guy might be. But know who was there to defend it? Not Helms, not, not the other safety, not a corner, Dallas Turner. He brings the safeties and drops Dallas Turner into coverage. And Turner defended the play, not allowing the Georgia receiver to get anywhere close to the ball. And the ball falls incomplete as a result of the pressure and as a result of there being an Alabama defender that even Stetson Bennett, I'm sure as he's walking to the sideline or he's looking up at the at the screen in the in the uh, in the Mercedes Benz dome and he's looking up at the screen going, who the hell was that back there defending the play? And then he sees it's 15 and he's probably shaking his head going, you got to be kidding. Not they dropped Turner, you know, uh, and, and boy, what a great play call by Pete. Excellent execution by Jordan on a play that's kind of forgotten. But man, if Georgia makes that first down and scores, it's 31 24 early in the fourth quarter. And, and that game could have gone the other way. Great recall. Fantastic recall. I'd, I'd forgotten about that play. And you're right. I mean, I saw it just yesterday. So. Uh, well, yeah, timely <laughs> or not, uh, excellent point when we're talking about this conversation because obviously, you know, safety blitzes can certainly help you if you have any deficiencies at off ball linebacker in that regard. Even if you don't, you still want to get creative and you, and you want to keep the defense guessing. And that's one of those situations where, you know, Jordan Battle was a rangy safety. Uh, he had already done some good things. I mean, we saw what he did against Mississippi State. You know, he had some pick sixes. And you're sending him on a blitz instead of having him in coverage, you know. And, and that's something that, that Georgia's offense wasn't really expecting, or at least I don't think they were. You know, they also really like to get the star involved. And I, this is another area where I think they can kind of help mask any deficiencies that maybe they have at off-ball linebacker. After you bring up that point, you know, to me – Nick Saban kind of wants to go with that 3-3-5 mint front where they got three defensive linemen. You got three linebackers, really two off-ball linebackers, but then you got either the Jack or the Sam. But, you know, typically what they do in those situations is they drop the Jack linebacker, and then the star replaces him as that fourth rusher. And that is a way where you can maybe confuse the defense, and you're not going to be doing that a ton with Will Anderson. Nick Saban even joked about it, you know, talking, you know, what's the a weakness of Will Anderson's game? Well, it's dropping in coverage, but what are you going to do? Are you really going to drop him in coverage, get him better at it, or are you going to let him get after the quarterback? But Alabama's going to ask him to drop every once in a while. We saw him drop quite a bit against Texas A&M. Fans didn't really like that. I think it was a lot more of what A&M did schematically to put uh, Will Anderson in a position where kind of he had to drop based off the game plan. And I don't think Alabama really had an answer to avoid trying to prevent that from happening. But then moving forward, I think they did a much better job of kind of combating that in case anybody else tried it, which teams did. But yeah, I think that with Brian Branch and what we heard about him in the spring, and we'll talk about him more when we talk about the defensive backs. But this is a guy that not only I think can create some interceptions, but I think more importantly, I think he can provide extra pressure when being sent on a blitz. I wouldn't be shocked if he racked up two and a half, you know, three sacks, three and a half sacks, maybe even four. Maybe four is a little steep, but I could easily see Alabama dialing him up because he did a really good job from what I heard in the spring as far as coming on those blitzes and providing pressure on Bryce Young. And he also, you know, came on a blitz, was able to tip a pass to himself in one of those scrimmages and, you know, return it for a touchdown. Those are the kind of things that maybe you can get from Brian Branch to help alleviate some of those issues you might be having. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this, people want this to be, you know, Rolanda McLean and Dante Hightower. 
You know, they want the two first-round picks. You know, they want the Rashawn Evans, the C.J. Mosley, the Reuben Foster. There's not a Reuben Foster right now in this group. There, in my opinion, even if Deontay Lawson ends up becoming the starter, I don't think he's Reuben Foster. I don't think he's going to play like Reuben Foster in his second season as a redshirt freshman after getting little to absolutely no action in year one. So don't expect that. The most important part of this off-ball linebacker group, in my opinion, is you got Henry Toto, who is comfortable. He's returning after playing, you know, every game last year for Alabama. He racked up 112 tackles, tackling machine, good player, solid player. But more importantly, he knows what everybody around him is supposed to be doing, and he knows how to effectively communicate to get the defense on the same page. And that is the role and the job of the Mike linebacker. So it, I think fans should feel really good about this group. Yep, it's a it's it's a it's an asset. It is not a liability in any. It, it is an asset. Uh, Henry is an asset. Moody is really good. I think he's better than people think. I think Lawson is good at probably good enough to start and play well. And uh, and Blackshire and Jihad Campbell could end up with roles. I, I I think they're they're good enough to where you know you pointed out that blitz role for Campbell. Uh, I think Blackshire and Campbell both are good enough for roles, maybe Blackshire and short yardage defense. Uh, and these guys will all be big-time contributors on special teams. Uh, I'll be disappointed. I think Blackshire or Lawson uh, could, could end up being the two best coverage guys we have on special teams. So really good group that we recruited and, and even better uh, in the future as we got more uh, more athletes on the way. Right. And we didn't hear a whole lot about Jod Campbell in the spring. And in some ways that worried me because I just thought he was going to be a guy who steps on campus and just would blow everybody away. Not saying that I thought he was going to start by any means, but I thought we'd be hearing so much buzz about this guy. And who knows, he might be buzzing like crazy behind the scenes, but just people don't really know to ask that question. Or he could maybe be taking a little bit of time. I know he's listed at 6'3", 225 on the roster. Certainly has gotten that weight up. He was kind of, I think, around 215, but he's got some length to his game. He can do everything that you would want an off-ball linebacker to do. Um, I think he's got the ability to play edge rusher if you wanted him to, certainly. And for anybody that kind of thinks, okay, but, I mean, you, you really don't want Jahad Campbell playing off-ball linebacker and edge or seeing reps or opportunities at both those spots because Nick Saban typically doesn't like freshmen to play multiple roles like that. But what I would say counter that and I don't think that this is going to happen unless something started happening with you know if some injuries happened at, at outside linebacker and you know you got Will Anderson and Chris Braswell out now you're trying to figure out okay how do we get some more edge pressure I could see some packages where you would see Jihad Campbell if he's showing what we think he can show and what I would point to is as an example of that think back to Dylan Moses during his freshman season you know he got a couple of starts at inside linebacker but he also saw some snaps as an edge rusher and, and even applied some pressure from there. So I could see Jahad Campbell being used in a similar fashion if he was forced into that role. If you remember, Alabama was dealing with some injuries at outside linebacker that year, and so that's what you needed from Dylan Moses. You might not need that from Jahad Campbell, but I think he's that type of player where if you needed him to, he could step up and do a, a you know more than just simply playing strictly one role like Nick Saban typically wants or likes to have his uh, freshman doing. Yeah, Campbell and Lawson, to me, both really, really bright futures. Other guys are good, too, but Campbell and Lawson, very bright futures. The present today is 
Toho Toho and Moody, and they're and they're good. They're good players. But uh, Lawson and Campbell, to me, um, both may have higher upside. They're still learning. And, and as far as Campbell's impact this spring, I think inside linebackers probably um, – probably among the most difficult positions to learn on the defense uh, under Saban, uh, maybe safety and inside linebacker, uh, a lot of responsibilities and a lot to learn. So uh, they're, they're still, uh, they're still soaking it in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for this first episode. Talking about the inside linebackers for Alabama, previewing that position a little bit for you guys. We're going to be back and we're going to be releasing this episode today as well. This next episode, which we're going to be talking about the running backs. So look forward to having that conversation with Jimmy. We appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode of the Bam on 3 show. I'm your host, Clint Lamb.